Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. I have an amazing show that I think you're going to really uh, enjoy today. We have a guest that I just uh, appreciate so much, known him for many years, and just admire his tenacity, his boldness. He is evangelist Mario Murillo, Mario Murillo Ministries. Uh, Mario, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. I'm glad to be here. I'm going to tell you, you're right. We have some explosive things to go over, so I hope everybody can share this show or alert people to it because uh, we're not going to hold anything back. That's right. And uh, a couple of big announcements as well on this show. So stay tuned. We'll yes. give you a, a big one in just a few minutes here. But uh, Mario, uh, you know, I know you for a long time, as I mentioned, and you are somebody who's not afraid to speak truth. And uh, anybody that's been online or in our circles probably is aware that recently you've released a series of blogs that have uh, gotten, I think, up to millions of hits now, right? I mean, there's a lot yes. of people, yeah, millions of people have read these. I know it's gone around the world because I have people reaching out to me from Australia, Canada, Israel. Uh, I'm sure you do as well. So why don't we just start uh, by, you know, just why, what led you to start writing these series of blogs? All right. Well, first of all, it's very rare, extremely rare for me to get into the subject that these blogs covered. Out of uh, over 3,500 blogs, I've only devoted four in 10 years to this subject. And so it was rare. What did it was uh, a confluence of factors. Number one, the extremes to which these false prophets have gone. Number two, the victims in the body of Christ. Uh, I could tell you some horror stories about people and the devastation they're going through because of false prophecies. And the third was that God really made it clear in prayer, reading his word, and that would have been the only reason out of the three. Without that, I wouldn't have done it. But it was God who ordered me to do it and gave me a class on how to tell the truth, which doesn't sound like there should be a class. Uh, telling the truth should be automatic, but it, there is a definite skill set involved in telling the truth so uh there, there you have it yeah and, and and thank you for i mean I, that makes it a lot more clear for those that didn't understand i know you prayed uh for a while before you released these two this wasn't something you just did impulsively uh you know you had mentioned to me that you were praying about this several weeks before i mean you know i know even longer than that uh you know how much time did you spend in prayer leading up to this well I, i've been praying about it for over four months yeah it's been four months of prayer and reluctance and fighting. And then came the time, that Kairos moment, as theologians love to quote, that moment where all of a sudden it, God did it and we had to, I had to do it. I had to obey him. Yeah. Now, you know, um, I, I've been around the prophetic community for a long time. You've been around, you actually were on Flashpoint and then recently you left the show uh, just from a journalistic standpoint, I got to ask these questions, Mario, but why did you sure. leave Flashpoint? Well, it's a fair question because, in fact, that was the purpose of the article. When I left uh, being a regular guest on Flashpoint, a show that I believe in, I believe in Gene Bailey. I thank God for Brother Copeland and what he's meant. The man of God actually bought us a 5,000-seat tent to win souls. So there's no grief there. It's very specialized. It has to do with an individual who is associating himself with two people that I believe are false prophets. And so by association, 
I went to them according to the word of God because he and I are close friends. And by the way, it's not Lance. Lance Walnow is a man of God. I'm teaming up with him for some important events, and I believe in him sincerely. So uh, I called this individual, talked to him on four separate occasions, and said, please, don't bring this program into any kind of identification with Robin Bullock or Kat Kerr, because at that point, I've got to I've got to protect the audience that listens to us on a regular basis from their false prophecies. Well, he felt, and I and I hope you asked me this question about causing division. Yeah. Because there was a very famous quote by a man of God a hundred years ago about division. But what I want to say is, is that I, I'm not causing the division. The people that are telling false prophecies, they are causing the division. And, you know, so let's uh, let me take it, give it back to you and we'll go from there. Well, and I think that just leads right into that. So, I mean, a lot of the feedback that I've gotten, as people know, you and I are friends, uh, is is why is Mario causing division? So why don't we just hit that point blank? Okay, that's if you watch the NFL for any reasonable period of time, you know that there is a there is a sad reality. The guy who throws the first punch never gets caught by the referees. The guy that punches back <laughs> that does. Yeah. And then they throw the flag. That's, the church does the same thing. A hundred years ago, a famous theologian said, division in the church is evil and wrong. But where the church fails is by blaming those who are correcting the imbalance that is causing the division. I am not dividing the church. The false prophets are. They are the ones that have divided people from the Bible, divided people from their local church. And as I got one letter from a woman that blamed me for causing her divorce. Wow. And this is a this is a very powerful example of what I'm talking about. She's saying, my husband has told me to quit listening to these prophets. And of course, he's not a Christian. He doesn't know God but he thinks his wife is losing her mind Mm. by following two people. Now, if she was following the scriptures, she would understand that Paul said by her gentle example of being a wife that loves her husband and, and fulfills her respect for her husband, she would understand that her getting a personal prophecy is not nearly as important as demonstrating Christ to her husband. So she wrote this letter to me and said, Well, it was a comment at the blog, and she said, you are causing our divorce. No, I'm not. Those prophets are causing your divorce. And and your husband needs to be comforted in knowing that his observations are genuine and his his alarm is is absolutely justified. Yeah. There's important questions that are follow-ups. Number one, I just want to make sure that the audience is clear. Do you believe in the fivefold ministry gifting of prophecy? Yes, I do. In fact, that's the point. See, the point is my motivation for writing the blogs that I wrote. And by the way, I'm going to make this comment. It's very important after you tell the truth, not to apologize for Mm. telling the truth. Mm. So anyone that construes any of this explanation. I'm not talking today to those who are completely eating the jello is what a, my new phrase before <laughs> it used to be drinking the Kool-Aid. Now it's oh, eating man. the jello. Those that are eating the jello, I'm not even 
I really have no bridge to you. But to those who are rational believers, who trust the word of God, who believe in the fivefold gifts, will understand what I'm about to say. The motivation for my blog was, number one, lost souls. Because Peter said these false teachers would cause the way of truth to be slandered. Go on the internet. There, are, uh, there is a, there's a, a site called Christianity Nightmares. Mm. And one of their main features to demonstrate to people why you should never have anything to do with Christianity is they're playing videos of these prophets and what wow. they're saying. Wow. So that's, I'm trying to win the loss. And anybody that thinks my motivation is anything but that is absolutely lying about me. Here's the second, and this is just as important. The gift of prophecy is what I love. It's because I love the gift of prophecy. Just because I, 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 you know, I personally believe that in our 10 crusades, one of the reasons that God has made us effective is that people are seeing signs and wonders and miracles demonstrated in a biblically balanced, Christ-centered way. Well, the same thing applies. How many years were we watching the gift of divine healing in the swamp, in excesses, in emotionalism, through preachers that were committing adultery or alcoholic, right. uh, leading double lives. And it was Catherine Kuhlman and Oral Roberts. This is going back before your time and probably much of the time of many who are watching. But back in the day, it wasn't just that Oral brought healing to the generation. He brought balance in healing. And that's exactly what Catherine did. Those yeah. of you that claim to love the gift of prophecy should be the most avid critics of false prophets. Because I'm not going to stop preaching because of them. But if you love the prophetic, it's going to discredit it if we don't deal with it. The, the, somebody needs to walk into the room of the prophetic movement with some adult supervision. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So this leads me to the next question. You know, obviously I've gotten a lot of this question. I'm sure you have as well, but why didn't you go to the people in particular that you just named uh, rather than to that gentleman that was on the show? Why, why didn't you do that? See, they quote Matthew. It says, if anyone sins against you, go to them privately. And if you help them, then you've won your brother. All right. Absolutely contextually correct. I went to the brother that I'm connected to relationally, and I compelled him to disassociate himself or bring correction, of which point neither was done. Here's the other side of it. Jesus did not privately meet with the Pharisees before he stood up and taught that they were whited sepulchers, that they were that they were graves that people walked over and didn't know, and that they set weights on other people with that while themselves weren't willing to lift their finger, or that they measured spices like cinnamon and cumin and tithed on them, but left the weightier truths of the law, justice, out of their narrative. You see, the, the fact of the matter is that Jesus rebuked them publicly and didn't take them aside privately. These false prophets haven't sinned against me. They've sinned against God in the church. Mm -hmm. And every true watchman must understand. Now, here's what Paul said to Timothy in 
1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, I told you to stay behind in Ephesus in order that you might rebuke and correct and silence those who are teaching false doctrine. Now that's an edict. And to obey that, Timothy had to speak out. People were often called out by name. The Bible says those who sin and oppose rebuke publicly that others may fear. So you see, the shepherd doesn't sit down with the wolf and have a conversation about why he shouldn't eat the sheep. The shepherd runs the wolf off of the flock, and that's what every watchman should do. And that's what every true preacher should do. So I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that follow these people and follow you. They follow me. Um, so, you know, they're trying to find their ground here. And this this is what I would say is like an equivalent of an atom bomb that's gone off in the Christian community. But I think it needed to happen. Uh, it's, it's a very important conversation. You know, I'm a pastor. You have a heart for people. Um, somebody that you let know what, you know, obviously you could say uh, there's a false doctrine or something was said that was false, but you have actually said they're false prophets and you've named the names. That's a little bit next level. So let me ask you this. Are, is there a way that any of these people can turn this around? Could they repent? Is their ministry done? Do we just need to, what, what would you say as a watchman as to where they need to go now? Now, before the lifeguard decides to give a class on life-saving, he's got to pull the drowning victim out of the ocean. Right. So we're in, we're in step one in this crisis. I'm compelling the leaders of the body of Christ to wake up and realize you have a problem. Now they're saying, okay, now it's a terrible moment. This blog's been written. It's a horrible moment. All of this ugly stuff is happening. That's not true. You see, let's take an example of the pandemic because this will help us understand. During the pandemic, the church was locked down. Right. And people said, oh, horrible. It's horror. It's It's a horrible time, and it was. People died, and that is horrible. But it was even worse before the pandemic because we didn't know how confused and weak and malleable and cowardly many preachers were who instantly were in lockstep with the state and locked their churches. We found out that the government was far more lethal and the church was far more vulnerable than we ever knew. So when you start calling out those pastors who shouldn't have locked their people out and did, is it making it worse than it was before? The condition of the church before the pandemic was the real crisis. We had big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines. That's right. We had, had, you know what? I told somebody, I want you to understand what the church is like. The church is like a football game where everybody's all excited. And the first half is over and suddenly the band comes on and the halftime show happens and everybody gets excited and decides we're going to turn this game into a concert. We're not going to have a second half. So the power of the church is to keep the main thing, the main thing, preaching truth, getting people in the Bible. It's no accident, Todd, that we have the most biblically illiterate generation of Christians America's ever known. They don't know their Bible because the Bible wasn't preached. So this morass, this problem, this crisis happened long before my blog. And and they wouldn't have been vulnerable. They would have known there were no mountains of jello in heaven had they read the word of God. 
they would have known that there was no foolishness where a prophet could stand up, false prophet, and say, believe the prophets and never question them. They would have read 1 Corinthians 14. It said, after they prophesy, let another judge. Every prophecy should be judged. This is plain, spirit-filled common sense that went out the window because we wanted to put warm bodies in the church house. Yeah. Now, here we are. Wow. Mario is the bad guy. Mario is the <laughs> one who caused division. Mario has made it worse. It couldn't have been worse. We, That's a, it, a great analogy, by the way. You know, wow. and, and so, so the surgeon found an extra tumor. Is it his fault or is it the cancer's fault? Yes. Wow. That, that really puts it in perspective, Mario, on a whole other level. You know, there's a lot of believers, I think, in the last few years that have just, I mean, just come to know Jesus. I know so many people during the Trump years yeah. that started, you know, they started off maybe following President Trump, and then they found themselves becoming a new believer in Christ. You know, the Lord used that for his glory. And uh, I believe a lot of these people are some of those that are now following a lot of these prophetic voices from conference to conference. And uh, they're kind of caught up in this whole thing. What would you say to someone like that, that they're just trying to find their way, uh, but they don't even, this is Christianity to them from their vantage point, you know? Yeah, I, I really feel like this is, this is what I've, I've tried to say for so many years. Christianity is the best thing that ever happened to you. If you're watching here, I don't care if you've been a pastor 50 years. I want you to listen to this exhortation. It's the best thing that ever happened to you, the peace of God. Today, I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about life is hard. He said, life is hard. And he said, and if you don't have something meaningful in your life that's greater than your problems, you're going to get bitter. And I'm sitting there saying, Jordan, let me in. It's altar call time. I need to say this. Christianity is that greater thing. See, it's the thing that will bring the racial justice. It's the thing that will bring true equality. The Bible says that the evil man does not understand justice. Did I not just ex express the definition of wokeness? They have it on a they have justice on a bumper sticker. They have justice in their language. They have right. justice in their claim, but in their practice, it never shows up. It never becomes better. The gangsters are never sent back. The homeless are never found at home. We don't get off drugs. We don't get out of our crisis because the gospel isn't in the middle. Mm. So what am I saying? What does that have to do with your question? Uh, the fact of the matter is that if you meet Christ, you will have peace and joy. And you have to ask yourself, what is the vitamin deficiency that I am going through that makes me need a daily profit. How did that even become? It amazed me how many people commented at the site. Well, who's the true prophets? Right. And I look at you and say, even if we weren't to find out, you have a true Bible, you have a true Holy Spirit, you have a true Jesus Christ. When did it become mandatory for you to have a prophet personally available with a daily horoscope. Wow. When did that happen? And that's what you ought to be questioning because mm. there was a day, I don't understand how the Christians did it before worship songs, before air conditioning, before valet parking, right. before coffee. How did we, how did the Christians make it on the joy and the power 
of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit that yes. gave them an, an, an innate and organic love for God. Come on. You know, it's like uh, I think of that scripture says they overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. You know what? We got to get back to talking about the blood, you know, uh, repentance of sin, uh, getting into the gospel message. I mean, it seems like, you know, I'll tell you as a preacher, sometimes I'll just preach right from the word. I mean, I always preach right from the word, but it's like people are looking for red meat today, Mario. They want, they want clickbait. They want, you know, something bombastic. And so sometimes when you just preach a regular message, people are like, well, where's the big, you know, it's like they've been trained for this because of the online culture that we have now, but there's a difference between talent and the anointing. Uh, can you explain that? Because people are saying, well, I felt like, you know, there was a miracle that happened at this conference that I went to, or, you know, I got touched yeah. from the Holy Spirit there. So, right. you know, it's attached to something that they experienced. So how do you, how do you expect that? Okay. Well, you know, uh, Devos, this, this occasional meeting of all the big money people in Europe, right? Yeah. They want to give us a, what, I don't know, I mispronounced their name. Davos, yep. Davos. Okay. So watch this. We're going to put something in everybody so we can keep track of them. And you want to look at him and say, dude, what are you smoking? Have you never read the book of Revelations? Didn't it ever occur to you people that you are literally going by the book, that all you've got to do is go to Revelation and say, maybe this jab is a form of the mark of the beast. Maybe our, our desire to get rid of a, a cash and make the whole world under one currency that is yes. computerized, it's just going by the book. And it, it makes you wonder. It's like you, re, you say to them, look, don't go down there because the map says there's a cliff. Mm. And they go, well, I think I'll go down there. Go right opposite. Well, the church will look at the world and look at a guy like Bill Gates and uh, the others and say, well, man, don't they realize that they're following the Antichrist agenda? The church is doing the same thing. Wow. It's doing the same thing. And I'm going to show you what it said. Did you not know that the Bible said there would be false prophets? Did you not know that the Bible warned that in the last days, people's appetites would be for the garish, the exotic, the erotic, and the imbalanced? You know, if you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1, it is chilling because in it, Paul says to Timothy, I want you to get ready to preach straighter, more often, stronger, with more doctrine than ever before, mm -hmm. because something is coming. He said, I want you to perform a truth surge because the day is coming when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own appetites. And that's what I want to zero in on, if I could, for a moment. Please. There's true hunger, then there's appetite. There are people that literally don't have an appetite for holiness, but wow. they, they have a hunger. There are people that have a hunger for holiness, and people that have an appetite for an experience. And they couldn't be more different. In our society right now, we have people with, with unnatural tastes, unnatural desires, unnatural addictions. We have that. So what's happening is what Paul said. And it's where you want to shake these people. You're running after every word. You're going to every conference. 
Don't you realize that you are those that were mentioned in the word of God as having itching ears? And what did Paul tell the man of God? He said, but you know better. Don't get in this. The real villains right now, you know, I'm going to tell you who the real villains are. I'm going to put a higher grade of villainy than even the false prophets. There are men and women, and they know me. They have been given fame. They've been given recognition. They've been given celebrity, and they have influence. And they lead mighty mega ministries. And they're watching this virus run through the church. And they're not saying anything against it because they don't want to jeopardize the offerings, the book sales, the notoriety. And that, my friend, is wrong. That's wrong. And I'm calling it wrong. I'm calling it for what it is. You know, I'm a little bit, uh, let's, let me use this gently, ticked off that I've been put in a position to have to write this. And I told Jesus this <laughs> humbly. I said, Lord, look at all these people. They own the jets. They own the buildings. They own the audience. And they didn't say a word. And so now here I am uh, in the crosshair, so to speak. But I tell you, I do it again at the drop of a hat wow. because I know that what I've done is right. Yes. I got to process a lot of what you just said, because you said a lot, Mario. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. I think a lot of times people like the person. They like the personality. And so they they don't want to say what you're saying because they don't want to hurt or offend the person. Uh, you know, so they just don't say anything. What would you say to those people? I really feel like uh, we've lost the art of telling the truth in a gentle and loving way. You know, in Proverbs 25, it says, that long-term persuasion will influence the king and a gen gentle answer will break a bone. You and I both know that one of the secrets to marriage is communication. Oh yeah. And, and when communication is in effect, things that could escalate into vast arguments don't because they're too people secure first of all they're committed to the marriage they want it to work they don't just see man and wife they see man wife our marriage right and we both have to make it work and sometime i've got to swallow my pride and in fact i don't know a time you don't have to sure. in order to make it work right. and so the time comes in the church that we have built up the silence we don't say anything we, we don't confront things. We say, I don't want to get into strife. I don't want to, I don't want to confront it. I hate confrontation. But you don't understand, had we been practicing biblical communication, we would never have escalated to confrontation. We would have been able to deal with it. Somebody knew these prophets when they started to go off into believing that Santa Claus was in heaven and Christopher Reeves is giving flying lessons or that you can have a second chance to be saved after you die. Somebody that loved them should have risked the friendship early on and tell them emphatically, you better abandon this because you're going down a dangerous road. But no, I'm gonna tell you how bad it is uh, right now, how bad it is. And people aren't going to like it. I'm going to lose some friends. What else is new? But there is a group of people 
that have these individuals as guests because A, they draw a crowd and two, they give money. So they're no different. One individual in particular that I won't name is literally putting his theology aside, his integrity aside in order to feature this woman on a regular basis because it generates money. And he is like the people in the book of Acts that had the young woman that was a fortune teller. And when she was delivered and lost that gift, it it said they saw that their means of making money had been destroyed. You got to follow the money. Mm. And, and And I really believe with all my heart that the Christians who are watching better understand. Go ahead. You know, you remember the mechanic that says to you, uh, listen, you can pay me now or pay me later. But what I found in your car is going to cost so much to fix it. And you say, yeah, but I don't want to spend that much. And then the mechanic says, you know what? You can let it go. But I promise you, it's going to cost you 10 times more if you ignore yeah. it. Yeah, That's the message of this hour that we've got to get back in the Bible, the word of God and prayer and simple, real Christian discipleship. Yes. I think that's a, you know, when you were speaking a few minutes ago, about why didn't somebody say something along the line from my experience, and I, I'm not saying every person uh, out there that's in the prophetic world is, is like this, but I see there's a lack of accountability. Uh, there's a lot of people that are just kind of lone wolves or, you know, they're kind of by themselves. There's not those, those levels. I'll tell you this, like if I say something ridiculous, uh, you're going to call me, uh, and about five to six other people are going to call me, uh, probably, you know, yeah. my main accountability. And then there's other elders and mentors around the ministry and we have a board. I mean, there's so many layers, Mario, you know what yes. I'm saying? Is yes. that happening in the, in this world or not at all? Well, at this point, we, what happened is the trend became silent. You know, one of the most amazing experiences of my life was the day I preached to 500 pastors in San Francisco after Jim Jones. I was, I was in my late 20s, and Jim Jones had just destroyed 900 people by getting them to commit suicide, a cult leader. And one of the two that I'm mentioning right now, the, I mentioned the, the male and the female too. The male is on the, on the cusp of becoming a cult right now. And, and I'll defend that to the hilt. But now, I was asked to explain to them why did Jim Jones deceive so many people? So I got up, and what I said was this. Before they went to hear Jim Jones, they came to your church, and you didn't have supernatural gifts, and you didn't give them a fiery experience with God, and they left hungry and vulnerable. Now, if we want to know how the excess came in the prophetic movement, we have to look no further than to the sermons that were redacted of everything having to do with spiritual warfare, deliverance, the move of God. And because we couldn't have a message in tongues in church, and we couldn't have prophets get up in church and give a word from the Lord when it happened, there was no hospitality for the Holy Spirit. We sang, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. But in practice, he was ostracized and left out. So here is the moment. A genuinely hungry person goes to their church, 
hoping that they'll experience a move of God, and they don't. Suddenly, they wander into the swamp of social media, where all of the buzzwords that are unstated in their local church are frequented out there. See, that's the answer. Mm. You know, we have to have the prophetic in the church. You know, you remember when they, we had a bumper sticker way, it's actually before your time. It was a Second Amendment bumper sticker that said, if guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. That's true. Yeah. So the same thing, if the gifts of the Spirit are outlawed, only outlaws are going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Wow. So it's the job of men and women to not just point out who's the false prophet, but to point the way to say, here is substantive Bible instruction, but it isn't enough. Pastor, it's just not enough to preach the Bible. You have to make room for God to demonstrate the Bible in the service so that the people see the supernatural power of God at work that's in the Word. Yes. So this is the Bible. Listen, this is what Luke said. He wrote the book of Luke, and uh, he wrote it to Theophilus. And his first statement was, he said, I wrote to you, this is Luke 1.1, I wrote to you the former treatise of the things it's actually the opening of the book of Acts. Forgive me. He was saying here, I wrote you the book of Acts, uh, Luke. Now I'm writing to you the book of Acts. And he said, I wrote to you, O Theophilus, the former treatise of the things that Jesus began to teach and to do. He didn't just teach it. He did it. We can't just teach soul winning. We got to win souls. We can't just teach tongues. We've got to experience. We can't just tell people that deliverance exists. We got to get them delivered. We can't do this because what we do is we create that malnutrition that makes people vulnerable to run after the false prophets that I have exposed. This question has come up, and so I'm going to ask it to you. But you know, people have seen you on Flashpoint, other places with some of these people. Did, originally, you know, did you feel okay about some of the things, and then later the Lord shared? You know, how did this kind of go from a from a timeline standpoint? Well, what happened was is I don't have control who the other guests are, right. so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a ambush. You have to understand that. I understand that because I'm on you know, shows. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I don't even know who's going to come on. I'm like, oh, here you're, you go. Yeah, yeah, you're ambushed. And so I was on once. And people will understand that the gentleman that I'm mentioning that is my friend and I was in relationship with, that I called him, not Lance Wallnow, in order to demonstrate to him Matthew, the gospel where it says to go to those who, who right. have offended you. So I don't know who's going to be on sometimes. Right. But once they're on and I learn they're going to be on again, I'm not there. Okay. I will not be associated with it. Yeah. But that's how it happens. No, understandable. You know, you and I were kind of talking about this. My family came from the Catholic background before we got saved. And one of the things that we noticed in the Catholic church was that most of the people, and I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people don't read the Bible at all. 
Uh, they, no. they wait for the priest to just tell them whatever the priest is going to say. A lot of it, they don't even understand some of it. They do. Uh, I think, you know, the Catholic church has kind of moved towards more charismatic these days in some aspects, but you know, there's still a lot you don't understand, but you're, you're listening to priest and that's it. It kind of reminds me of that Mario. And you tell it's me if totally. I'm wrong, there's no. a similar thing where, where people are going to a prophetic voice and saying I have, or a false prophetic voice, depending on who it is but they're, they're wanting to hear everything through them. How does that need to change? Do you see that correlation? Well, first needs to be changed by identifying that it's the same spirit. In the Middle Ages, there were, there were religious spirits that moved the Catholic Church to believe in indulgences, to believe in the fact that laity couldn't read the Bible. You know how ironic that is? That they would teach that the average person couldn't read the Bible and understand it, right. is that is so jaw-dropping, breathtakingly opposite of the motivation behind the, the inspiration of Scripture. It was written for the common man. It is precisely the idea that you need someone between you and God in order to understand his word and to relate to him that Christianity was trying to destroy. You know, when the veil was torn in the temple, when Christ rose from the dead, it wasn't so that just that man could go in. It was that God came out. Yes. And so here is what Jesus said about that. Talking about a mediator between you and truth that you necessarily needed to have. He said this, he said to the woman at the well, you worship at the mountain, we worship at the temple, but the day is coming where you will neither worship at the temple nor at the mountain, but you will worship him in spirit and in truth, not spirit without truth and not truth without spirit, but in spirit and in truth. And here's the vital part. It meant clearly that the day will come where whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he is the high priest. So in the Middle Ages, they came up with the idea, you can't understand the scripture. Mm. One of the false prophets that I exposed said those very words from the pulpit in Nashville. The prophets understand the word. He even said, here's a code that we understand. And then for you to have this, don't ever doubt us. Don't ever question us because you need us to understand the Bible. That's what they said in the Middle Ages in the Catholic Church. Here's the other one. One of the, one of the comments at my blog was this. My son died a drug addict. He wasn't right with God. And I prayed for him after he died. And I kept praying. The woman that I exposed as a false prophetess, she provided her with the hope that somehow Jesus went over and yanked her son who had died an addict out of the flames and gave him a second chance. Wow. That was why she was, and you have to understand what I'm up against. Wow. What we're all up against. Why would it create such a firestorm to call out these false prophets? Let me tell you why. They have a word that they're depending on. Something was said to me about who I would marry or where I would go and live or what would happen to me, how my illness would end, how my life would change. And now you are not just attacking a false prophet, you're attacking what they said to me and what I've come to believe is my hope. And I've got to tell you something, your hope 
if it's in a prophet, it's no longer in Christ. Mm. Your hope is not in Christ. It's in that prophet. Wow. And that's what's so dangerous that we've got to get people back. Because I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to say what the mechanic said again. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. You're going to find out that due to that prophet's word, you married a complete scoundrel. You moved to a city you never should have gone to. And now it's devastated your children. Your moral compass was replaced by a false prophet who started guiding you down a dangerous road. Get back in the Bible. Get back in a congregation of on-fire believers where you can feel safe and accountable and understand truth. And then let's bring in the true prophets. And we we'll know who they are. And somebody said, how do you know what a true? I'm going to ask myself that question. Please, Mine, please. I, I was actually, you know, it's so in the spirit because I was literally going to say, you know, it bears witness in your spirit. It's in accordance to the word of God. You know, there's, there's certain checks and balances. Please, please expound on that, Mario. Number one, a true prophet will never connect money with a blessing from God. You cannot buy a blessing from God. Yes, if you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken over, and people will give to your bosom. That's it. But you didn't buy it. You gave out of love. You gave, and it's not a gift until all the strings are removed. God, It's up to God to bless your gift. It's not up to you to give so that you can hold God accountable to give you money. That's not love. That's not a relationship. So the next thing is a, prophet, a true prophet of God will not put a price tag or ask you for money or intimate that you're giving in any way, shape, or form is conducive to the word they're giving you. So it's not merchandise. They don't merchandise the anointing. Second, pastors are available. They are connected to men and women of God in churches and in places where you can feel the safety of their relationship. They are not lone rangers that live in a cave, eat twigs, and come out at special moments and just start to make these grandiose claims of things that are going to happen. A true prophet of God is working with the other four office gifts. There are five, and those office gifts, when they're operating according to the will of God, build up the church. Don't divide it. And this, my friend, is what I'm going to say. The division is being caused by the imbalance. Mm. The imbalance is causing the division. The person who calls out the imbalance and attempts to correct it is not being divisive. He's identifying the division and trying to heal the, the root cause of it. Yes. We, we are going into a whole new season in the body of Christ. You know, I, even in this year, just I felt something shifting in the supernatural. And I really believe this is what it is, is that God is trying to bring back to the foundations, to restore the foundations and to really set us up for success. He comes back for a church without spot and a wrinkle. We've been talking about the seven churches in Revelation. As you're sharing these things, I'm thinking, man, this is like the seven churches. I mean, you're literally calling out. I mean, one of them is false prophets, you know? Um, wow. Right. Um, you know, uh, so Mario, you know, amazing what you've said today. And I'm trying to bring this into a perspective for going forward. What do we do now? Because people are like, okay, this just happened. Where do we go from here? How would you answer that? 
Okay, well, here's one thing that I want to issue a challenge. I'm not, I, I love the lost. I have a passion for lost souls. I'm not going to develop a heresy hunting ministry. Right. This is an anomaly for me. This came to an extreme. It was put on me. It should have been on someone else, but they weren't willing. So I said, yes, God, I'll do it. I'll bear the brunt. But I'm issuing a challenge to the young man that I exposed and called him a false prophet. And I'm going to issue it. I'm right here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you. But I'm going to tell you, folks, and you're not going to like this. And this is where you want to hide the children for a moment. In your church, sir, a man was describing a dream that he had of you and him in heaven, where you were both naked, without clothes, walking around. Now, the individual who said that from the pulpit, and it's confirmed, it's on video. That's why I'm not naming names. You don't need to go through a TikTok thing right now, folks. You need the Bible. But I'm speaking to this person. You have the power to shut that man up. But you gave your tacit approval to a cringe moment in a church service that is beyond anything that I've ever seen in 50 years. You did not shut him up. You did not turn his fantasy away. And that, my friend, is why in the background I can hear the people applauding a dream of you and your friend's nudity in heaven. Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you expose it? A prophet of God would have done it in a heartbeat. I'm right here. I'm willing to talk to you. Wow. Now, to the body of Christ. I commend you to Christ, who is able to keep you strong and to keep you from falling. We are not weaklings. The devil will tell you you're weak. You're not weak. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning, the power that was expressed that launched him from the depths of hell to the right hand of the Father is the power that holds you, and he's not going to let you go. And Christ himself is our captain. He's also the rock on which we are building. And I want to tell you, the best thing you can do is shake this off. If you were given a word of prophecy, if one of these two voices was close to you and you believed in them and you trusted in them, don't feel condemnation. Just pick up your cross where you dropped it right now and resume your walk with Jesus. Within hours of your time of turning to the Lord for a renewed experience, you're going to get that childlike joy. You're going to get that purity and that innocence. And you're going to feel God like you used to, even better. There's no despair here. God's raising up a true army. Yes, the sheep and the goat are being separated, but there's no doubt in my mind that God himself will take up your cause, restore you and heal you, and make you stronger than you ever imagined you could be. Yes. Yes. The Lord wants to take us into deeper waters as, as a as a ecclesia, as a body of Christ. He wants us to get into his word deeper. He, this is not a season anymore drinking milk. Uh, you know, look at the hour. It's late. Uh, we're seeing so many things happening in our world, in our nation. We're at a pivotal crossroads moment in our nation. And uh, Mario, those words are just very, very powerful that you just spoke. 
Uh, I want to give you one one last uh, just opportunity to share anything else that's on your heart before we get into the breaking news, big news that yes, we're about to news. announce. Uh, but, you know, there was one thing that I did hear you say and that you said you'd be willing to pray with this gentleman that you've called out if he were to call you. And that that's that's pretty big news, too. I haven't heard you say that before. Yeah, well, it is. And it's a standing invitation because to me, it isn't that this person doesn't have a gift. It's that it's been derailed. And I don't want it to be like so many that have gone before that shipwrecked. Uh, Paul said, he said, I, I, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Then he said, and I keep my body under, lest while I preach to others, I myself might be shipwrecked. Well, this, uh, this, this young man, this man, needs to understand that his entire legacy, his entire calling, his entire spiritual future is hanging in the balance and that the enemy is trying to use him to destroy people instead of build them up. And I'm right here. I'll talk to him anytime. I'll take his call day or night. Huge. This is a lot of a lot of information that Mario has shared today that I think that if we, you know, Mario, I prayed about this just so you know, and, and anybody watching, this is something I've been praying about this a lot. I mean, this is many, many nights of prayer that have come to all of even just, you know, the show today. And because uh, there was a lot for me to take to the Lord as well, you know, and I think everybody should do that. It, you know, if we could all just take these words to the Lord, look, this is an elder that's been around. I mean, Mario, I can go into yeah. your history, but you know, you, you were in the Jesus movement. I mean, yeah. you didn't just come out of nowhere. You've been, you know, an evangelist for so many years and, and just, you know, about the harvest and there's a whole history. And so for the, your words have weight and they should, they should for anybody in the body of Christ that, that, you know, is walking in a fence right now or saying, I don't, you know, Mario's causing division or everybody. If we just take it to the Holy spirit, and take the actual message of what you're sharing and not get into friendships and all the other different things. Cause trust yep. me, I have a huge heart and try, I want to do that, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you got to take and say, Lord, is this you? Holy spirit is this you? And that's really what we need to do. What say you on that, Mario? We can't let the devil make people believe that they can't hear God's voice. If you've been fooled and deceived, it doesn't mean you can't hear God's voice because that's really what the enemy's after. He wants you to believe that you're easily deceived. Here's, here's the voice of God. The voice of God is going to bring peace and comfort and a sense of total security in the love of God. You don't need to remain insecure, flighting, seeking a word here or there. You can be on the rock and the wind and the storm will come and your house will stand. That's the promise of God. Yes. Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It reminds me of the parable of the builder. That is so true. Uh, yes. any, any last words about these things before we move on to our announcement, Mario? Yeah, I believe that I'm going to go back to focusing entirely on soul winning. Uh, if you're wanting me to, if anyone out there is hoping that I stay on this and go after some other younger false prophet, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm after the drug addict, the prostitute, the homeless, and the addicted, and I'm going to get them in Jesus' name. In our next crusade in Bakersfield, uh, we're, it's going to be March 12th through the 15th, and uh, we have an army out there 
going after lost souls. And that's what I'm all about. Come on, man. And I, I'm going to do everything I can to be there as well. I'm excited about this. Yeah. And we have a big announcement uh, yes. that we before we leave today, I want to share with this audience. And uh, it's, it's pretty big. Uh, Mario, you want to make that announcement? Yeah, I do. Uh, Todd and I are going to have our own television show. He's going to be my co-host on a show that's called Firepower. And you'll say, what does that title mean? Well, you saw an example of it today. We're going to break down what's going on and give people guidance. See, here's the deal. You know, in every monster movie where the Martians attack us, there's a moment they do in the film where they say our weapons are not causing enough damage. Well, this is what the definition of firepower is. Number one, how many weapons do you have? Number two, how lethal are those weapons? How much destructive power do the weapons in your arsenal have? And three, firepower is the definition of the skill level of the individual with the weapons. What we're going to do is take everything that's going on in politics, in the world, in the world system. We're going to discuss it from a, a world view, from the word of God. We're going to have conversations is what it is. Yeah. It's what we're having now. We're going to have conversations about how does the church stop losing in culture for all the wrong reasons? What is true prophecy? What is the move of God? How do we win souls? So we're going to go from the point of the theoretical. We're not going to just unleash to you all the background information of some conspiracy theory. Hey. We're going to get to the answers and what to do and give you answers from God. That's why I'm excited about this show. And it's coming soon. And it's called Firepower. You'll Firepower. see it. Couldn't be a better name. And, you know, Mario, you mentioned earlier about communication. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have discussions just like we did today where we hit the hard questions and we have the answers from a biblical standpoint. And uh, I believe this is going to set many people up for success. You know, what I love, one thing I love about you, Mario, and I love many things about you, but you are in it for the long-term relationship. I always tell my yes. audience, you know, there's, there's the people out there that are looking for a fling and, you know, like a one night mm -hmm. stand, they just boom, you want to come in with something bombastic and that's it. They get what they want from you. And then you never see them again. There's going to be a lot of those people, especially in this hour, but you're going to see gentlemen like Mario Murillo and myself that are looking for a long-term relationship. We're going to be around until Christ tarries and speaking right. the truth and being about souls. And if you make it about souls, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon you and goes before you. God is about souls. That's why he's given us the Great Commission. You know, what, is, right. what is like the, the, the biggest thing that he said for us to do is to be soul winners. So uh, love what you're doing, Mario. And, and, and how can people go to your website and find out about your next crusade? I think there's some going on in Florida coming up too, right? Yes, in fact, what's going to go to mariomarillo.org, mariomarillo.org. And there are several opportunities for you to be used of God. You can be a volunteer in Bakersfield. We'll train you how to get on the streets, win souls, heal the sick on the streets. You'll see it. And uh, our volunteers come home. They're the most excited people you ever met. Secondly, we have a thing called Fire and Glory Tour, and it is Lance Wallnow and myself who are going to combine the Christian conservatives, many of them who love Trump, but don't know the Lord. We're going to go after them in rallies where they can be born again, and we're also going to link them together with the revivalists. No politician is going to save America. 
God can use them. But ultimately, we need a moral awakening, an outpouring of the Spirit. So it's two elements, fire and glory. So it's going to be, of all places, the World Equestrian Center in Ocala, Florida. This is a five-star resort that the owner, Mary Roberts, loves lost souls, wants America to be saved. It's giving her, us, one of the prime exhibition halls Mm. and one of the most famous landmarks in in the world, the World Equestrian Center in Ocala. It's going to be March 19th, 20th and 21st. And all they got to do is go to fireandglorytour.org and they can register. It's free, but we want you to register so we know how many of you are coming. Amazing. Wow. Well, there's a lot to look forward to here next couple of months. The Lord is on the move. You got what's going on out there in California. You have down in Florida, this fire and glory tour. You got the new show that's coming out that you'll see on all the platforms very soon. So stay tuned. And Mario, we're going to be praying for you and intercessors, people of God, please pray for this man of God. This is a very bold stance and pray for the body, pray for this whole thing. But we really believe the Lord is moving. And Mario, thank you for being who you are, my friend. I appreciate you. Hey, God bless you, Todd, and God bless everyone that's watching. All right. And we'll be back with the Todd Coconut Show.